Good morning. morning. Glad you all made it this morning, the day after Christmas, and I hope you had a great Christmas. Jesus is here. We had our big Christmas program extravaganza last Sunday, and today's going to be a little bit quieter celebration of Christmas. You've probably had a lot of activity and probably haven't had a lot of time just to sit back and reflect and to think about what God is doing in your life. So I'm going to give you that opportunity in the middle of the service today just to sit back and reflect and to look back on this last year and to look forward to what you hope for. And we've been looking at how Jesus fulfills prophecy and how Jesus is better, greater, higher, closer, more than anyone expected. And this morning we're going to look at a prophecy in Isaiah 43, which is a great passage for the end of the year. Isaiah points to the truth of who God is, and that God is always working. When we look at our situation, and we think about where we are in the pandemic, with the Omicron virus variant, the continuing uncertainty, and not really knowing what we're supposed to do now, we can feel discouraged. But when we look at Jesus, we can turn to hope and joy. When our reality looks hopeless, there is a truer spiritual reality. And the truth is that God is always at work, working on our behalf, even when we can't see it. And that's what we'll look at today. So let's look at Isaiah 43, starting in verse 16. If you have your Bible or a Bible app, you can turn with me there. Isaiah 43, 16. And as we read through it, listen to the words and think about what's happening in this passage and what it makes you think of. Isaiah 43, 16. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there, never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I form for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. What did you picture? Maybe in those first few verses you recognize the exodus, right? He made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. And scripture repeatedly reminds us to remember the Exodus, that God did this huge miracle. He parted the Red Sea, and he brought his people Israel through the waters, and then destroyed the Egyptian armies behind them. And God intervened in an incredible way on behalf of his people. And we're meant to see God's power here in this passage, God's power over the mighty waters of nature, and God's power over the military strength of these formidable armies of Egypt. Because that's who God is. And that's how far God will go to rescue and love his people. And the end of the passage echoes these same images. It's not exactly the same, but there's a repetition of ideas in the water and the way. Verse 16 says, He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. And then verse 19 says, I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And that's repeated in the next verse. And the implication here is that God is still working. 
that God is going to do this amazing thing again. And as Pastor Eric told us last week, there's a part of the Christmas story that we don't usually look at that refers back to, to Egypt and God bringing Jesus and his family out of Egypt. And it reminds Israel of the Exodus, of God rescuing his people. That was the greatest demonstration of God's power and strength that they had ever seen until the coming of the Messiah. And Isaiah here looks back at the Exodus and looks forward to the coming of the Messiah and God's extraordinary power and love on behalf of his people. But in the middle of the passage, you probably noticed in verse 18 that Isaiah says, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. And he's not saying to forget the Exodus and to forget what God did, but he is saying to forget the hardship and their dire situation and the struggle and the danger of it. Because at this time, at the time Isaiah is speaking to, to Israel, they are under the threat of the massive power of the enemy nation of Babylon. And all they can see is that their situation is hopeless. There's the threat of Babylon, physically, economically, culturally, religiously. They suffered as the Babylonian armies invaded, and then they suffered under defeat, and then exile, and the continuing and constant fear of what's coming next. And you might be feeling a little like that today. We've been in this long two-year struggle with the pandemic and the continuing fear of what's coming next, the threat of danger, disease, death. You might even be feeling a little bit of Christmas letdown today. All your presents are open. There's no more gifts to look forward to. And we're getting back to ordinary life this week. You might be thinking about going back to work, to an office, or working from home, or not really sure what you're going to be doing. Your kids will go back to school, and maybe you're glad that they're there in person, but also a little bit worried about what's happening. You may have gotten used to wearing a mask, or you may hate it and feel like you can't breathe right now. You may have started to venture out and be braver, but now with the Omicron variant, you're not really sure. And you may be accepting or languishing or grieving the losses. And we've all had to struggle with discouragement and loss this year. When we look back, we might feel weary, stressed, angry, afraid. And we can look forward and feel like this is never going to end. We don't know what to do. And we might feel stuck. And I have to admit that I have felt those periods of stuckness during this past year. You know, I'm a person that loves certainty, planning ahead, knowing what's coming around the corner. And it's really hard for me to plan, to live, to lead, to make decisions for you all without really knowing what's best. And I've had to wrestle with that and to look less at my own ability to figure things out and look more at God's faithfulness and goodness. When our reality looks hopeless, there is a truer spiritual reality in who God is. And the truer reality is that God is making a way, and we can trust him. God is making a way in our wilderness too, just as he did for Israel, and we can trust him. <coughs> we see what's physical 
and visible in the world around us. But the truth is that there is a spiritual world around us, that God is always at work in unexpected ways, guiding us, leading us forward, working on our behalf. And we can look back on a tough year and feel discouraged, but we can also look forward with hope because we know a God who is good and faithful and sovereign. And we can live in the bigger awareness of who God is and what God can do. But we have to see it, to perceive the truth. 19 years ago, when Brandon was starting his freshman year at college, it was 19 years ago I was thinking about this, we had to figure out how he was going to get from our home in West Covina to his dorm at UCLA. And he didn't get what was then a very coveted parking spot. And I was not going to drive back and forth every weekend. He was in a relationship with Alyssa at the time, and so he wanted to come back every weekend. And we had to figure out what to do. So we made a plan. My sister-in-law's father lived in Santa Monica. And she asked him. We didn't know him very well, but she asked him. And he said, yeah, Brandon can park his car in front of his house. And he would sort of keep an eye on it. And Brandon could walk a block and take the free big blue bus to campus. And we thought this was a great plan. And then I told my dad, and my dad was horrified. And my dad said, your car is going to get stolen or broken into. Not it might get stolen or broken into. It will get stolen or broken into. Because my parents were always worst-case scenario thinkers. They always thought the worst was going to happen. They always made me feel like the worst was going to happen, too. I was aware that it wasn't really rational, and I didn't really like it, but it was how I grew up thinking that the worst possible thing is going to happen. So I told Brandon, we can't do this because your car is going to get stolen or broken into. And Brandon rolled his eyes and looked at me and said, Mom, it's possible, but it's not likely that's going to happen. Statistically speaking, there's not a big probability of that. And that was a truer reality than my fear. And I'm a math and numbers person, so numbers are real to me. And even though my dad kept hounding me that this was going to end in disaster, we did it. And I felt fine because I thought about the statistical probability. And Brandon, after the first couple months, figured out that he could find street parking near the dorms, and he didn't even have to use my sister-in-law's father's street to park on. Everything was fine. The car was fine all year. And Brandon has used this line about statistical probability with me on more than one occasion. And it is a tool I now use to help me to not be so afraid and worried. And really, if we let him, God can use all kinds of things. He can use math and numbers and our kids to help us grow in trusting him and in seeing what he can do. God can overcome our misguided ideas of what's real and true. What we think is real is often based on patterns from our past, or ways of thinking we learn from our parents, or friends, or other people. A lot of times it's based on social media and the distortions of what's true and real and important. But we live with brokenness and insecurity and worry and fear and anxiety and stress, and often we don't see a way out. We only see what we think is true. But we can get curious about where those thoughts come from. We can ask questions and listen to other people. We can see God's leading. And God can help us see, 
new things. He can help us see new ways out of our wilderness. But Isaiah asks, do you not perceive it? What do you think God wants you to perceive this morning? Do you perceive it, what God is doing? So now I'm going to pause and give you a few minutes just to reflect on that question. What do you think God wants you to see this morning? How is God inviting you to trust him more? I'm going to give you about five minutes to think, reflect, pray, and you can do that alone, or you can do that with other people. If you like to process things alone, just by yourself, you can do that. Just spend these few moments processing on your own. But if you like to process out loud and talk with people and discuss, you can do that too. And especially if you're here with your kids, this might be a good time to talk about things in a way you don't normally talk about things. Listen to them. Let them share and affirm them. And those of you online, I hope you'll join us in this time of reflection. Don't just pick up your phone and zone out. But spend this time with God and allow him to speak. Here are some guiding questions. Use them if they're helpful. If you've got other things you're thinking about, just let God speak through this time. But here are some guiding questions. What was hard for you this year? What did you struggle with? What new things do you hope for this coming year? in the future. And here are some more, maybe a little deeper questions to get into if you want to. How does knowing God, how does knowing God change what you perceive? And you might think about attributes or qualities of God, or you might think about Bible verses or stories or truths or things that you've experienced in the past. But how does knowing God change what you perceive? And then how is God inviting you to trust him? So the worship team is going to come up, and they're going to just play some background music to start to give you some time to just listen for God's leading. And then they're going to move into a worship song called Here Again, which invites God into our thoughts. And as the worship song continues, you can either continue to reflect and pray on your own and to talk with your little groups, or you can sit back and listen, or you can sing along and worship with them. So you have all those options during this time. So let's start with inviting the spirit into this time. And you can either sit quietly and think, or you can talk with the people around you. So Lord, thank you that you are a God that speaks, that you guide, that you guide our thoughts and our prayers. And we invite you this morning to speak. Help us to see how you want us to trust you more today. God bless your time. I hope you had a good time with God. Continue to listen for his leading. But that song here again reminds us, we can't go back to the beginning. We can't control what tomorrow will bring. But here in the middle, God has promised to be with us. The song says, as I walk now through the valley, let your love rise above every fear. And Isaiah 43 calls us to rise above fear. He called Israel to look beyond their situation and to perceive the truth of who God is, what kind of God they worship, and what he can do. And we, too, can trust God for new things that he will work in our midst and bring a new way through our wilderness. 
But the question always is, can you perceive it? Can you see God and his goodness and faithfulness? Can we perceive it? In a recent podcast, Dak Shepard interviewed Anderson Cooper, and they both grew up in chaotic childhood homes. And they talked about how that chaos forms what they see in the world. And Dak Shepard talked about how he grew up in an abusive home. And everywhere he goes in public, he sees abusive behavior and bullying. And Anderson Cooper said he never sees that. But he sees potential catastrophe everywhere. And he wants to help people and take care of them. He calls himself a catastrophist. And what we perceive is often based on those patterns from the past. It reminded me of the new car phenomenon, that when you buy a new car, you see it everywhere. And when I bought my gray Honda Accord, I saw them everywhere. And that's probably reality here in Cerritos. My son-in-law, Will, when he drives my car, he notices that, that there are gray Honda Accords everywhere. And I don't know if it's just because he's driving my car, or there actually are. And I have to confess that there are a few times I've walked up to the wrong car, put my hand on the handle, and got confused that it didn't open and then walked away feeling really embarrassed and hoping the owner wasn't looking at me and thinking I was trying to break into his car. But we tend to see what's familiar, and we look for what's familiar and comfortable. But I don't think God's plan is to return us to our pre-pandemic comfort, to the old way of life that we were used to. Challenge causes us to look for new options to see new opportunities. And God often uses the wilderness to get our attention and to help us see what he wants us to see, new ways that he is working and leading. Could there be new things God wants you to see now in your wilderness? Lin-Manuel Miranda is the creator of Hamilton, and he has a new movie on Netflix called Tick, Tick, Boom. And it's a musical that pushes the boundaries again. But he says this about one aspect of the movie. He says, I had an incredible underwater photographer in the pool scenes. And I shot the things that were on my mind. And then I asked him, what cool things don't I know that you can do? He says, I never would have thought of them. But there are incredible scenes only because I asked the expert, how far can you push? And what crazy thing can you show me that I haven't seen before? And that's how we see new things. We look for them, we're open to them, and we ask the questions. Could we ask God those questions? How would it change us, our faith, our lives, if we ask God, what cool things don't I know that you can do? What crazy thing can you show me that I haven't seen before? The Exodus is one of the most significant theological theological events in the Old Testament. But Isaiah says that God is doing something new, something so glorious that all of creation will see him and praise him. And the immediate fulfillment of his prophecy is that God is going to return his people, Israel, from exile back to their homes, return them to the land, and rebuild. But Isaiah is really pointing to the ultimate fulfillment in the Messiah, that God is going to do something new and glorious. That Jesus will usher in a glorious future new exodus where God will rescue his people from slavery. Not slavery in Egypt, 
but slavery from sin and brokenness and death. John 1, 14 and 17 says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. For the law was given through Moses and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus came in the flesh. He came to be with us at that first Christmas full of grace and truth. God loves us, not because we deserve it or because we can earn it. And the truth is we can't deserve it or earn it. But the grace is that God loves us anyway. Because of Jesus, we can have a relationship with God, loved and secure, forgiven and rescued. Grace and truth came through Jesus. And when we know Jesus, we know that there is a truer spiritual reality than what we can see and touch. There is more than this broken, sinful world around us. There is a truer spiritual world. And God is at work. He is at work making a way through our wilderness. We are loved beyond measure, unconditionally. And even in the wilderness, we can see God's grace and truth. We can experience his goodness and power. And we can live with hope. God is good. He is for us and with us. His love never fails. And we can trust him. God makes a way through our wilderness. And we have seen this as a church. When the pandemic started, we didn't know how to be a church without gathering together on Sunday mornings. We discovered Zoom. God made a way through the wilderness and we learned how to do meetings and prayer gatherings and small groups online. I remember that very first Sunday that we had to put everything online. And we were sitting in the office on Sunday morning because we hadn't downloaded the file in the correct way and we couldn't get it online until Tuesday. You might not remember that, but I remember that feeling sitting in the office. But we discovered how to do things. God made a way. Our small groups ministry is thriving, and some of you joined small groups. We've started three new small groups for young families in the last few months. Some of you were able to attend more regularly because you could do it from home. We developed a seniors ministry, and many of you participated in delivering meals and calling people, using an act making an actual phone call something you have probably hadn't done in a while. We learned how to do an outdoor service in the parking lot with all of the logistical audiovisual challenges. And we found Nikki, or she found us. And we had all this graphic expertise, and now we have an impressive live stream going. Matt is training a new generation of worship leaders in Ariel and Ben and others. And we didn't know how to do children's ministry or youth ministry without being together, but they did amazing things on Zoom and then in socially distanced classes and meetings. And then last week, we had a roller skating pastor here in the sanctuary. <laughs> Lots of new things. All good. All God. God makes a way in the wilderness. Even when our reality looks hopeless, we can trust him to make a way for us. God is always at work. He is always working for good, even when we can't see it. What new things could God do for you, in you, and through you 
as you trust him this year, you can believe in his grace and truth, in his power and goodness, and you can believe that he is making a way in your wilderness. Let's pray.